You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio and a very exciting interview today. We are going to be talking to Forrester's Chief Marketing Officer, Shirley Macbeth. We're going to be talking about the customer-obsessed organization. But before we do that, a couple of announcements. If you've got a great story that you want to share or a question that you want to ask, just go to any of my social media channels. And I'm pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I'm there. And if it is a question, use the hashtag Ask Shep. I'll answer the questions either right there on Amazing Business Radio or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which you can watch on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and you can now watch it at BeAmazing.tv. So with that in mind, let's jump into today's interview with Shirley Macbeth, the CMO of Forrester. And Forrester has, just to give you a background, in case you don't know who they are and how could you not know, they are an incredible resource of research and information about almost anything related to business. I'm always uh, drawn toward all their customer experience, customer service, and anything related to that. But Shirley is going to talk to us about the customer-obsessed organization. Welcome to the show, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great opportunity. And I love that you're interested in all things CX because um, that is the sweet spot of Forrester as well for thinking. We apply everything through a customer obsessed lens as far as business technology, marketing, et cetera. The key as we see it for, for growth and profitability for an organization is to lead with the customer first. And that's what we call customer obsession. So before I get into that, lead with the customer first. Uh, I want to talk about because you just said something that a lot of people, uh, the, to me, the customer-obsessed organization, I call it the customer-focused organization, minor semantic word, but it's the same thing. Every decision, this is how I define it. I want to hear how you define it. Every decision that you make about anything, you keep the customer in mind. Even if it's a decision that's not going to make the customer happy, raising prices, for example, discontinuing something, uh, adding a process that you know, you have to do, maybe it's a compliance issue that you have to deal with, but it's always thinking about the customer. What is your definition? Well, you know, customer obsession is really about not only thinking, you know, with everything that you uh, around the company, around that customer, but it really has to be thought of at, at multiple layers, the leadership of the company, the processes, like you, we were talking about the strategy and then operationalizing that. So it's not enough. A lot of, uh, of clients that we work with will say, well, I, you know, I care about the customer. I'm customer um, focused or I'm customer obsessed. And then part of what we show is really, is it, you know, are you really applying that throughout all your business decision-making and your strategy and operations? And when you do that right, customer, you know, clients that do apply that are actually twice as profitable. They have, generate twice as much revenue, um, two times as much uh, employee loyalty, things like that. The payoffs are significant and real, but it's more about, it's less about just, hey, I, you know, I like my customers. It's really transforming around that customer. And that's, that's hard to do, but that's, that's the, the payoff when you are able to achieve that. So you're working with a client and they say they are customer obsessed, but you're stunning them. You're going, yeah, not so much. What are the biggest gaps that you're seeing uh, in these uh, customers who think they are, but aren't necessarily so? Good question. Well, first, the first thing we would do with the client is we have um, a customer obsessed 
um, survey that we would do for that client about themselves. So it's very interesting sometimes when you see um, a client and down the line, um, even within the departments at a company where they think that they are customer obsessed. And then you marry that with a, what we have is called a CX index, a customer experience index that you send and field to their clients. Oftentimes there are gaps, the big gaps where we, you know, the company thinks that they demonstrate themselves in a certain way or act in a certain way and the clients see a gap in that. And it's things often like um, the expression of their, their brand promise doesn't actually get lived up, whether that's through their digital channels, things aren't working well, whether it's interactions with people, a variety of different things. So I'd say, it, you know, the, the biggest thing is to really own who you are and what that brand promise is desired to be, and then see that through, which through the leadership, the operations, the processes to ensure that actually happens. And that's that gap of kind of what are you trying to be? And then does it, do your customers actually experience that? We just went through a transformation with Forrester. Uh, we, we did the, exactly that. We applied our customer experience survey to ourselves and then did the same fielding with our clients to see. How'd you do? And uh, we, did, <laughs> we did well, but I think there were some areas where we thought we were, um, it, you know, that of course our customers are experiencing us in a certain way. And it wasn't always the case. And so what we actually then started with um, to back up was really that definition of what is that, that brand promise. And it, it's about an emotion. It's, it's often, you know, there's what your product does and things like that. But then it is, how does that brand come through and what is that experience? And we have a methodology that looks at different types of brands and Really, when it comes down to the emotion that you um, that large companies fall into, it's kind of one of three. So you think about it, and we call it there the companies that are trying to be unlike the others. So sort of their brand promise, like a Trader Joe's, they their brand promise is being different and quirky and unusual. And how does that brand promise see through? There are folks like Nordstrom that uh, the second category is. Um, at your service. They differentiate their experience through amazing customer service. And that's that brand promise that they have to see through. And a third category, which I would say for Forrester, where we fit, is somebody who's on your side and by your side, really helping as an advocate along the way. And then to start with that and then realize that we want to rethink our operations and how we show up uh, was an important journey that we've been on through the last year, kind of drinking our own champagne, if you will, using our methodologies and um, changing some things in our experience to match, you know, that by your side, on your side feeling, that emotion that we uh, are trying to elicit with our clients. So the by your side, at your side, that has, that's been consistent for how long? Years and years and decades? Before the beginning? Yeah. Since the uh, beginning? I would say say since the beginning, but um, maybe the recognition of that's what we were trying to do um, and wanted that experience. How does that experience show up? And so on your side, by your side, for us, we began to realize that we were trying to instill for our clients confidence. And what does that mean? You know, so to kind of peel that back and giving them the data at the right time, giving them the insights, having analysts uh, be able to know and deeply are embedded with the, our clients to understand their needs. Like suddenly you're to build that experience. We've always been that way, but um, I think it was more along the those connections um, yeah. on a more frequent basis to actually see that through and deliver that. 
So, and the reason I bring that up is because many companies choose a theme like on your side, by your side, and it's exactly that. It's a theme. It's not the mantra that's built into, you know, what they do. You mentioned Nordstrom. I don't believe if you go back to the very beginning of Nordstrom, that that is any different today as it was then. This is what they're obsessed about. And, uh, but, and the point about it is you haven't changed your lane. You're just trying to improve the lane. You're repaving the highway, if you will, (laughs) with, with the changes that you're trying to make to get up to date and make sure you're, you're still achieving what you want. Yeah, I think it's about delivering an experience. And so I think that's what's new for many brands, perhaps even Forrester ourselves is, you know, seeing what you think of yourselves and how that shows up is um, not always contiguous or that's not. And so it's consciously thinking that through And If so, our brand, as you can see behind me, is bold at work and sort of we said, well, how that's what actually sort of what Forrester thinks of itself. But more importantly, it's what we think for our clients. We want to help our clients be bold at work, have the decisions to make, do their jobs, you know, better, faster, et cetera. And when you think of on your side, by your side, how do we enable our clients to be bold at work? It sounds very clear to us now, but a year ago we thought, well, are we, what, how does that change the way maybe our interactions, our client interactions need to be? How does that change our digital experience? And how do we ensure um, even processes behind the scenes help us to deliver that bold at work. So I, as a great example, during the pandemic, you know, we pivoted very quickly for our clients that we, um, sh- we did a lot more short form content that our clients needed it faster. We published on a much, um, uh, even a daily cycle during the early phases um, because we needed, our clients needed us. They needed to feel bold in their decisions. So we have a lot of consumer data, a lot of fieldings of di- real-time data that was critical to them. And that's a a delivery on that brand promise, you know, help you feel bold at work or on your side, giving you what you need. And, you know, the pandemic, I think, is silver lining for many brands who did um, respond and work with their clients very well. Their value was seen and um, brand loyalty, I think, for some those customer obsessed organizations has grown. Those who have not, you know, I think that was sort of make or break for many, many brands. Right. I heard something there. And and then we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about how the pandemic has made some incredible changes. But what I just heard you say is your whole idea of being bold at work. We need, if I'm Forrester, and I'm not, but if I am, I heard you say, we need to be giving our clients information that they need to have confidence. To me, that's what bold is, to have confidence to make decisions because things were changing so quickly and dramatically. And even uh, our audience didn't hear this, but just prior to the interview, uh, Shirley, you made a comment um, about how um, we thought this was going to be over in in a few weeks. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So obviously that didn't happen. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bold suggestions that you made to your clients on how to deal with the changes in the pandemic. And as we're hopefully seeing light at the end of the tunnel, what we might expect. Everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. 
In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. The book ships out in September, but purchase it today and you'll get instant access to the ebook at no extra charge. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Shirley Macbeth, the Chief Marketing Officer over at Forrester. And we've been talking about this whole idea of customer-obsessed. I love the idea. I love the idea that your credo, for lack of a better term, or your mantra is simply four word, or six words, by your side, at your side. I could add three plus three. That's six words. So easy to understand and remember. Now, before the break, you were starting to talk about the pandemic and there have been massive changes in behaviors of our customers. Uh, the work experience has dramatically changed. Technology has been accelerated. So much is happening. So I wanna hear your take on what you're doing to help your clients make some bold decisions during these times. Absolutely. Well, it's it's such an interesting time. And, um, you know, again, we all thought this was going to be a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months. And um, like many companies, we hunkered down very quickly with our clients, you know, being a research company, these types of uh, our clients need data, they need information, how am I going to spend this dollar? Where is this headed? What do you think? Um, what do you think I should do? You know, uh, whether you know our clients are marketing or in sales, et cetera. And so, very quickly, um, there was a lot of dialogue, increased dialogue. In fact, what we saw was a lot more access to our research, a lot more um, connections on calls and and things like that. And and during the pandemic, and for us, what we realized, you know, many several months into that is the consumption of our product needed has been different. And as we move forward, it, as a customer access company, we realized that we, in the way that we were meeting those needs through these very quick iterative publishing and other things, that um, we actually have redefined our product portfolio in 2021. And we're releasing um, some new capabilities that are a new portfolio called Forrester decisions. And we found it was that decision-making, the bold at work, um, you know, kind of that feeling, but how do I very quickly come to making decisions? And what it meant for our clients was a combination of the data and the tools to kind of look at, look forward, but also very functionally specific um, tools, frameworks to help them make small decisions, you know, day-to-day decisions, um, as well as those big those big decisions. So as a customer-obsessed organization, um, we pivoted our operations and are delivering something, I think, even more valuable now given the environment that our, that our clients are in. So when you're a customer-obsessed, any brand, to learn from your clients and then take action on that, I think is yep. the important thing. You know, we found um, I was reaching out to clients who I hadn't talked to in two or three years just because I said, hey, um, you know, like a Beatles song, I want to hold your hand. Um, and I did, I wanted to let them know there's people out here that are thinking about you, they're caring about you. And I had clients that were very scared whether they're going to stay in business or not. 
And I said, yes. let's jump on a call, um, you know, a virtual call. I'll do a presentation. I'm not even going to charge you. I just want to get you guys into alignment on how important it is to deliver a great service experience. You cannot, for whatever reason, let that one slip. That's what you're known for. And that's pretty much what you did. You up or you ramped up your frequency, it sounds like. Yep. Uh, you may not have given them more than they're used to. You just gave them more frequent bite-sized chunks to help them right. digest quicker, um, which we all had to do. So coming out of this, um, how do you think customers have changed? What's different about them than about a year and a half ago? Well, I, I, so much has changed. I think the way that we consume, the way we interact, and you know, the, that's everybody's talking about that. But some of the clients that we serve um, and some of the research that we do, I'll just give you an example in, um, in marketing as an example to reach target buyers, it's become even more challenging. And as a marketer myself, uh, we just released some new data in the B2B world that um, prior to in 2017, it would, it would have taken about 17 interactions, you know, whether that's a visit to a webpage, a, a client meeting, et cetera, 17 of those to close a typical B2B transaction. Now, it takes 27, 27. Wow. So the, and the reason, more. and the reason I bring that up at 10 more um, in a buying cycle, we're finding that, the, and another thing, there used to be about 47% of um, these deals that would go through had a, a three, four or more people involved with them. And now 60% of deals have four or more stakeholders in a buying decision. And it's things like that that have really changed. I'd say the common thread is the resources that are available. You know, brands and companies are still very tentative on where they're going to place their money and how are they going to invest. And so um, in all sorts, of, you can see this in sales, marketing, and other functions, you really have to show your value and this, the hurdles to get through there and the influencers are um, in the decision-making process is even longer. So um, it's, 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 so that's, you know, the buying, the buying process, I'd say is a lot more sophisticated. And then I think the important of things um, like your brand have changed quite a bit. This is shifting to a whole different topic, mm -hmm. but um, you know, trust was built and I just saw um, and your report yeah. on trust. That's brand right. new, like in the last week. Right, right. right. So we look a lot at trust um, at brands and what does that mean? And I think now more than ever throughout the pandemic, trust is a real thing. Are you going to trust this brand to deliver? Do you feel good about this brand as somebody you want to do business with? One thing we see uh, very different from a year ago, and then it's not just pandemic, but it's the social environment around us with all the, the, the racial tensions with you know, uh, environmental concerns, et cetera, brands um, where about a year ago, people in my function, 80% of CMOs would not have engaged or talked about, um, had their brands, you know, stand up for whatever that's in, in the topic of discussions of things beyond what the, the scope of what their function or their company provides. Now, a year later, brands who don't weigh in, um, there's an expectation that uh, a large companies and the impact and the weight that they have need, you can't be on the sidelines anymore. So it's so interesting, all these trends that have accelerated. Yeah. Um, I, I time. would imagine the C-suites worrying about polarizing their customer base or their client right. uh, by making a statement that might not be accepted by everyone. 
Well, and what we found that used to be, and that's the worry. So brands and, and people in my position, CMOs, have said, well, we abstain from that conversation. That's not our, you know, our role to play. And we, we saw a lot of backlash with a lot of the bigger brands, um, especially, um, you know, with some of the racial tensions that it was the obligation or the, the of such large companies that they needed to have a stance. So we are, we've just published some research on this too, that it's not an option to say nothing anymore and your clients expect it. So what you say, I think is a whole other set of challenges for um, brands to figure out. Again, it goes back to that brand promise we talked about early in the conversation of who you are and what is authentically your brand. And that helps guide those, your voice to the marketplace. Yeah. Authenticity is huge. I'm actually writing an article about authenticity. Won't be out for a few weeks. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I do want to talk a little bit about the employee experience, the EX, mm -hmm. along with CX. And when uh, CX combines with EX, you get CEX. Some would say that's sex and that's okay. I'm all right with that. But uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that employee experience. Just take a couple of minutes there because I believe that is a huge backbone as well. What happens inside an organization is felt on the outside by a customer, client, guest, whatever you want to call them. And and what's changed in that respect over the last year, year and a half? Well, you're so right. Um, and I call it the X factor, sort of that CX, um, EX, and then there's the BX, the brand experience is that sweet. When you get all those things, those three of those things right, you know, X marks the spot. It's the, uh, that X factor, that's Nirvana. And what is so important about that? I think a lot of um, companies maybe underestimate the importance of how your employees you know, del as deliverers of your um, customer experience, how important that is. So we spent a lot of time during this pandemic, actually, and during our whole brand um, relaunch, essentially, to make sure that our that our employees really felt and understood what, for us, the power of our brand of Bold of Work, what does that mean? And how does that show up? And why is that important? We spent a lot of time on behaviors and values and the importance of that is everybody's, you know, our, our brand rallying cry is bold at work now. People feel it, they understand it, and then they're able to deliver that. And that's that's that important piece. Yep. So what you're preaching about what you want your clients to feel, you're also right. internally trying to make your make your employees feel the exact same thing make them feel that and also show that they are in control of how that experience is delivered. They're part of that. So yep. every you know, company has a product or a solution, but people are so a big part of that brand. And for a company like Forrester, where research and analysts and uh, people are actually part of our product, that's all the more important. Great, great. All right. We have time for one more question. Everybody knows it's coming. You do too. It's the one thing. What last nugget of information would you like to share with us? Something that uh, you've been holding back or maybe it's something you want to emphasize? One thing we haven't talked about, but I think is really important is, um, especially these days, is around alignment. So I'd say um, one of the things that in, in my role as a CMO and looking at the customer experience function, et cetera, is alignment, especially among product sales and marketing as functions. And that alignment, 
especially coming out of the pandemic of knowing who your customer is, how do you want that client to feel and, you know, shaping the product around customer obsession, all the things that we've talked about. It's so important to be singing from the same songbook, so to speak. And so my big takeaway is alignment and the importance of that. We have shown that aligned organizations are um, have 19% faster growth and 15% faster profitability because those functions are in alignment. They're doing great things together and um, delivering that customer obsessed promise. Well, if that doesn't want to make you be aligned, I don't know what would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shirley, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. This was an amazing uh, interview, great conversation, wonderful information. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So we've been talking with Shirley McBeth, the CMO at Forrester. And next week, we'll have another great interview. And this is Shep Hyken reminding you that until that time, remember to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.